This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek, episode number 54, recorded August 29th, 2012. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. And welcome back to Modern Geek. This, this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for the uh, the delay. <laughs> we actually lost a podcast. It's it's a pretty rare thing these days. I think the last time we lost one was not when it wasn't we, when it was you guys back in like the single or the double digits of GWC or something like that. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, we try not to make a habit out of that. <laughs> Go figure. Because <laughs> it kind of sucks when it happens, but... I don't know. I'd say 1 in 450. I'd say we're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, we had kind of a freak software thing that uh, screwed us over, so... Actually, it was great. Uh, when when Chuck calls me up and says, um, I got some really bad news. Um, we We lost Modern Geek. And I'm like... Well, that's fine. This is the right podcast to lose because then we could talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just bad recording. So we'll do this again. And ironically, our one, well, it was our one year mark. Still for is. Modern- it, it still, still is. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it still is. I mean, so we uh, we talked a bit. We threw it away because it had a really nasty mechanical hiss in it. And uh, we'll just... Uh, and it, it wasn't even like a background hiss. It was a foreground hiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like we were the background to the hiss. The hiss was the show. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been bad. But but no, this was fun stuff to talk about. And and it is. It's uh, it's it's our one year. I never, uh, I don't know. You know, I, well, we knew we were going to keep doing it. So I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. But still. It's, it doesn't seem like that long, to be honest with you. That's it, true. It, it it just feels like it hasn't been that long. And actually, ironically, as we loop back around to a year, we're talking about the same thing we talked about in the first episode, <laughs> which is kind of some uh, back to school stuff. Um, we've got quite a list here. Yeah. You want to let's see. You want to <laughs> jump right in on that? I think. Uh, well, you know, let's start with Goodreader because uh, we're, we were going to do some apps, kind of our, our standard little quickie app pack for a few are headed off to school and you've got your iPad with you or yep. iPhone with you. But, you know, I think Goodreader qualifies in its own right as something, whether you're going to school or not. And I know you got some experience with it when you were traveling recently. Yes, it was. Um, well, when I, I had gone to a conference uh, for uh, work, uh, you know, I work for a telecom and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Um no, it's cool. I, I Goodreader is is really I I started using Goodreader because uh, because professors would give me PDF handouts, and that's pretty right. common these days. Even in even in uh, uh, non technical classes, a lot of times they'll dump PDFs in, in various e learning systems to save having to go down and make the copies for class or things like that. So. When you well, get those, it's it's awesome to be able to drop them right in on your tablet and read them. 
Well, apparently that's what the what used to happen at this conference is that they had a specific booth among the different hardware and software vendors, a booth that you could buy, you know, um, file shipping boxes <laughs> and put all of your handouts in and mail them back to wherever you came from because you couldn't take them back with you on the airplane because it was literally one or two of those gigantic crates of, of handouts. And yeah. this time they just had like um, QR codes on all of the, uh, all of the presentations and uh, uh, a centralized website with all of the course numbers. So when you walk in, you get all the presentations and all the additional materials. I brought them up on the iPad. Ironically, um, as much as I love using Chrome on there, it doesn't have the open in feature. Don't so I open it in Safari and then send it to Goodreader. And then as I'm watching these presentations, if there's stuff, there was stuff I wanted to bring up back when I, uh, with my coworkers when I got back and I just, you know, make, make an annotated copy of it and highlight the things I want to make a couple notes on it. And I get back and I can, uh, you know, if I had questions for different team members or uh, things I wanted to show people, I could just, you know, open it up and flip to uh, flip to the notes I had made earlier. It is just so very useful. And, you know, it's just that light. You're, you're carrying around hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of notes on an iPad. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, I have gone from carrying the stuff I need for class that day, maybe that week, to essentially carrying everything that anybody's ever given me in a class mm -hmm. all the time. And that is incredibly useful because it's not surprising, especially in upper-level classes in college, you're going to come across the same sort of materials more than once. And any of the notes that you made, anything that you, uh, any work that you've done, if you have that available, it can be very useful, especially during class discussion and that sort of thing. Right. So... It's just amazing how well that works. I mean, I remember um, right when I when I went and did a couple of years at UVic, carrying around gigantic math textbooks, yeah, and just going through backpacks left and right because they're just so heavy. And just I had you know I gained back problems because of carrying around that amount of paper, and just you know it's just so much more useful to have all of that available and not have to you know have a wagon to carry everything around. <laughs> now it is worth checking out especially in in college because it seems like there it's becoming less common but there's still a very small minority of of luddite jackasses who will simply ban all technology from their classroom because they're too <laughs> lazy to manage the classroom themselves. And my I have to admit I have kind of a funny internal response to that i'm smart enough now believe it or not to keep it internal but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like for example if somebody says hey you can't use a tablet to take notes or to carry your reading materials because it's possible for you to look up facebook and 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 post on facebook on it during class then i feel like they shouldn't use powerpoint because you know that computer it, it's capable of playing solitaire and I just feel like, yeah. you know, it's the same kind of argument and it's it's the same kind of stupid. You know, if if you can't maintain the attention of your students, that's not really my problem and I, I shouldn't be forced to deal with it. So, Well, it's those type of restrictions that are based on a lack of trust of the people in the room that are, are they're, one, they're insulting and two, they're defeatist anyway because people are going to find 
a way to do what they want if they're not going to pay attention anyway. It doesn't matter if they're looking at Facebook on an on a iPad or an iPhone or you know doodling and not paying attention to your lecture. If you're not right. engaging your students, then I don't think there's anything that you could do to stop them. And I don't know. Maybe technology makes it easier, but yeah. I don't I- know. It's a bit frustrating, especially in classes where it would be very useful to have the extra materials available. And uh, you know, I, I have uh, I have four classes this semester. I'm I'm almost ready to graduate, so it's kind of tapering off a bit. Right. And and of those four, I have one that is that way, and that one is. It's kind of it's it's actually looks like it'll be a pretty good class. So I mean I I'm not really complaining, but it is kind of jokey when you're sitting there and this lady's talking about you know particular studies, and I'm like I really want to go get that, but I right. can't because you know you're afraid of Facebook. So um, anyway, I I have pretty strong feelings about that, and and am. Uh, and I sort of have gone from being like sort of tolerant of it to sort of, I have no respect for people that can't handle technology in their classroom, you know, mm-hmm. join, join the fricking two thousands, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 2001 is calling. Yeah. Yeah. And you're missing it. So anyway, um, in, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the digital, uh, resources themselves, is the textbook environment getting better? No. Um, <laughs> okay not really it's kind of that was another thing i was going to talk about it's kind of an interesting sort of situation Uh, a lot of the classes that i've i'm taking the the professors are remarkably friendly when it comes to trying to find reasonably priced textbook options okay they do want to use current editions or near current editions because they feel like generally the changes in those often have value you know that said uh, they also realized that, well, like a good example, one of my classes, you know, the professor was actually very together and, and not only, and pointed out that, hey, look, this textbook is available at the bookstore. It is available via Amazon. It is available via a number of other textbook sales places, which you might want to look at because they are cheaper. Uh, it is, there, there is a copy available in the library. These are all the current edition there is a copy available as an ebook from the library, which you can read online using their reader. However, it is the previous edition. Also, it is available as a Kindle book, but it's the previous edition. So sometimes they lag a little bit in terms of getting the new edition through the Kindle bookmaking process. Now, part of that may be that it just isn't their priority. So they get the new book out and then it works its way through the system. Part of it could be too, that they don't really want you to buy it via Kindle. They'd rather you buy it from them directly. Each of the textbook companies is trying really hard to create their own walled garden to keep you in so that they can, uh, you know, they can manage this the way they want to. For example, a lot of them want you to go to their site and use their reader, I'm making finger quotes, to read the book, which is completely and just utterly absurd. One DRM and two online requirement. Yeah, uh, it's, just a, it's just the dumbest thing ever. So yeah. um, this is what leads students to go out and push the textbook through a PDF scanner and share it with all their friends, which is exactly what happens. 
you know, and we're, we're kind of in the bad old days, the Napster days, you know, not quite <laughs> yeah. where it's like, you it's, know, you don't want to sell how, me digital stuff. We're just going to make it somehow. And I'm not saying I'm doing this. Uh, funny you know, how each industry is going through it. They're like, oh, well, we're going to do it our different. way this time. We're going to we learn from the music industry. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. And then they step you're still right doing it, it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> step right in it. But no, uh, bottom line is each of the textbook companies has their own way of doing things. Some of them sell ebooks directly that are various levels of jackass. Some uh, some sell them directly through you know Nook and Kindle sites and so on. Uh, some do not at all, and some are available via other other places you know uh, online. Uh-huh. Uh, check your university. A lot of universities have ebooks. Those ebooks are often viewable and printable in small quantities. Um, I hate to admit this out loud, but I'll just say that I know for a fact that a lot of stu- I haven't done this, but a lot of students have gotten together. You know, I could only let you print up to you know an eighth of the book. Oh, do you get eight students together and print them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then PDF them together and you have a book, and now oh. everybody's done until the next issue comes out, and they just lost sale completely. Well, yeah, <laughs> go figure that, that university students are going to be smart and, and figure out how to do this. I also had one kind of funny, as long as I'm, I swear I'm not ranting, this is just this oh, entertained me, fun. actually, because I'm way too lazy to do any of this, even if I wanted to. <laughs> But one uh, one of my classes uh, actually bothered to put in their syllabus that that the notes that you take from the class are under their copyright, and therefore if you post them in any of the note sites, you are in copyright violation. And I severely question that. I th- I think that I I do agree that that those sites are not reputable, and I wouldn't want to participate in them because, uh, but. Notes on the other taken? hand, on the other hand, if I want to give my notes to somebody, yeah, you know what? Good luck. Try it. You yeah, know? that's you that's, take you you throw your dice with the uh, with the court system, and we'll see who comes out on that. I'm sorry, yeah. you can you can have higher learning, but only if only you have higher learning. You can't, you know. That's that's the fundamental, uh, you know, aspect of learning is that you never tell anybody else what you've learned, right? I'm yeah, kind that of, makes sense. I'm the kind of smart ass. I have to admit, I I was tempted to 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 shoot back. Hey, just wanted to let you know that anything that I write on a test or anything, I retain the copyright to. And if I see <laughs> yeah. it used anywhere else, I'm going to sue the crap out of you. You know, but but I'm not because I I got older and a little bit smarter. It, it's yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it almost sounds like that kind of disclaimer is is like. Uh, a half-hearted attempt of you know this call may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance Hint, kind of change your class enough that somebody can't pass it by buying the notes from some online service just saying anyway yeah i and and the funny thing is is again uh, this professor that did that i i honestly believe from the one class sampling i have of her class that you couldn't you know that, that you couldn't pass the class by by using those crappy sort of dishonest means i think you know she seems to provide a lot of information in the class uh, above and beyond just whatever the materials are so i right. i i on i don't understand quite the need for for all of that but anyway well it I'm, I, I'm, I think it just has to go through a few more iterations of it not working before they start to you know realize that 
it's not people wanting to rip you off. It's people wanting convenience and and their preferred workflow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's like I heard that there was one textbook that has that it has a one time use pass to a learning portal online that while it's not a requirement of the course, if you're you're severely limited in the course if you don't use the portal. Yeah. And if you want to use the portal and you have a used textbook, you then have to pay an extra fee to get access to it. Yep. Or you and can't at all. That's just disheartening. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they're going to work around this, I think, relatively yeah. quickly. I think the textbook companies should rightfully be afraid that that, that monopoly that they've had for years is probably on its way out. I think that there are some companies working out ways to allow professors to build their own textbooks from materials and to provide the proper compensation to all the people involved. And uh, when that happens, I think that, you know, the, uh, uh, I think that the big textbook companies are probably in severe risk. They're going to be like, I don't know, the people that pressed vinyl records, you know? Well, yeah, it's like, that that market did have to kind of die, but and it's like people that still want vinyl can still do it as yeah. a niche thing. But it's you know I we're we're not going to be pressing papyrus forever with this stuff, especially with something as disposable as textbooks. Right, and I say that in terms of the amount of times they get revised, <laughs> the amount of paper that has been. Pr- that has likely been wasted on old outdated textbooks that are no longer accepted in courses has to be astronomical. Agreed. Agreed. Well, and, and it's a prime market for, for modernization. (laughs) Considering, uh, you know, my, my distractions aside, we did have kind of a little pack of a couple of the most critical apps, some of which you probably already have. And this is for iOS, of course. Uh, The number one, app on the list which comes with it is iCal and I think a lot of people underestimate the usefulness and power of iCal or calendar you, as it's yes, now called. Did you notice that it's still I did. you could still type iCal into spotlight and it just works? It will just find it yeah because I did it probably 20 times before I noticed. That yeah it was, I, it's like wait a minute what did they call it calendar? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so lazy I use I use uh, spotlight as a launcher. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so I just type ICAL period, you know, ICAL. I don't think there, I can't remember the last time I've actually gone to the applications uh, folder or used a, a, whatever that new thing is in, in Lion. Uh, I just, you know, do the, the whatever space and, uh, you yep. know, just start typing the app I need. Yep. It works. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, but Calendar is a remarkably useful app for scheduling. And keeping track of your classes. I put my class schedule in it. I can tell you that uh, one of the things that I started doing, and this is kind of interesting, I think, is um, I use multiple calendars, but I share a lot of my calendars with Audra because I right. want, you know, we want to be able to know what each other are doing. So when we're kind of making rough plans about possibilities of doing things, we're not just a no brainer for coordinating. Yeah, yeah, we're not automatically stepping on each other. And and the problem is, is that there are some things that you really want to share, like your class schedule, for example. I her, Mine that I'm taking and hers that she's teaching. On the other hand, uh, there are other things, like I put my meals in there because I eat eight meals a day and I have to remember when the hell I'm supposed to eat them. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. I, and, I and add some reminders to get you to stop working and going and yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know you're into this too. So the problem yeah. is though that um, crap. You know, I don't necessarily want to share those. It's not that they're secret, but uh, like I, I generally share dinner, you know, or or supper as it's called since I adopted the uh, Hobbit <laughs> meal. Oh, yeah, you got like uh, first breakfast, second breakfast. Right. Uh, 11Z's luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, supper. Yep. And dessert. Dessert, right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I, but I don't, because we're going to eat that together most days, so I want her to know when that is. But the others, she doesn't need to know that. It's just crap on her calendar that she's going to have to turn off, right? Well, and that's the problem, too, is if you get too much stuff loaded onto the calendar that you no longer understand what's going on on it, then it again becomes useless. So I, I spread out across quite a few calendars, and I actually created two calendars that i don't share one is called food you know makes sense yeah and i put all the meals that we don't eat together that i want to keep keep track of on there the others go on my normal personal calendar and the other i finally i tried making a bunch of calendars and i finally just created one calendar called detail 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 literally okay. yeah and it's used for all the minute detail of things that i put in there that i just nobody else in the world has is going to ever care about right you know uh, everything from i'm going to drive somewhere i want to know how i want to see the drive time on the calendar so i can remember that you know right uh nobody cares you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean except me or or i might even put you know something crazy like uh you know like i don't know don't don't go you know don't take a nap you know or you know i don't know whatever there's all kinds of weird crap that i want to stick on my calendar to keep track of uh or might want to do this you know and and nobody needs to see that so i use detail for it and i actually created it using this is pretty funny i think a white background so it almost looks ghosted on the calendar right it looks really cool actually <laughs> hmm. But anyway, yeah, I, I iCal, I'm a big big fan of iCal. iCal has some really cool repeating functionality. So like for example, yeah. when you're creating a class schedule, what you can do is if you have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, you do not need to create three of them. What you do is you go in and you create one and you tell it to repeat weekly on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then you go into the weeks for like a spring break or a Thanksgiving or things like that. You go find all the holidays and stuff and blow the individual ones away. And, yeah. and you have a whole semester in minutes. You know, strangely enough, uh, the the desktop version of iCal works a lot better than the mobile one in, ter- in terms of setting up repeating. Yeah. Agreed. The, re- the, the repeating features, if you've only been doing it on the phone, uh, it's it's far more powerful. If you, if you access it from the desktop, you can, you know, get it down to specific days or, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty handy. Um and if Remind- you're if you're not on uh, on on uh, OS ten, you know, actually, I think you can do it from the iCloud site as well. I think and- so as well. Yeah, I don't use that as much, but I believe it's closer to the the, the iCal app, app right. than it is the uh, the one on. Yeah. <laughs> The, the tie-in of reminders, I was actually really kind of gung-ho to get into that for, for a lot of stuff like the food calendar. Uh-huh. H- having, and actually in the last recording of this episode that we did, I was a pretty strong proponent of it. But in terms of loading it up with a lot of stuff, uh, I find that it can get, uh, you can get carried away with um, losing track of uh, uncompleted tasks yep. if, if you have a lot of repeating ones. 
And because they're not in the calendar, it's kind of hard to graph them in terms of what you're doing on that particular day. Yes. So I'm, I'm actually at the point where I'm either wanting to migrate some of that stuff back to calendar or possibly go into what actually is our next app recommendation, which is OmniFocus. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I can't remember if this was in the one we lost or the one before, but I wanted to update everybody and let them know that I, I'm having really good luck with reminders and oh. shared. Was that in this one, in the one we lost? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we introduced it a couple episodes back, and okay. then we had talked about it in the in the last episode. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, let me reiterate that then, since the so everybody can actually hear it. I I mentioned in a number a number of episodes back that I was using Reminders with its uh, iCloud Share feature, which allows it to essentially create shared reminder lists, which push notification across. Mm-hmm. And you know, I found that they work remarkably well. Nothing is perfect with push. I don't care what anybody says. Every push app has issues, you know? That said, there are remarkably few. The only, the closest thing, and I wouldn't even call it an issue, but the closest thing is that if, say, uh, I was at the grocery store and Audra was at home, and we used them for, for grocery lists, and she put something on the grocery list, and I was looking at the grocery list, it probably will not update until I move off of it and back on it. Right, like you have to switch lists back and forth to get it right. to, to do something. You get kind of used to that. So if you're at the store and you're getting ready to leave, you switch off and on it real quick just to see if anything happened to be added while you were there. Yeah. Uh, but that's... You know, said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another use case there. Yeah. Um, uh, my, I was talking to my brother on the weekend, and he wanted to, to, to thank you for recommending that because uh, him and his wife go to the grocery store together, uh-huh. and they take two carts, go separate ways. Right. And check stuff off that they've got, nice. and they can they can half the time that it takes to uh, to do shopping because one of them goes down to the produce aisle, the other one goes down to all the dry goods and stuff like that, and they can get done in in half the time. And they were just wondering about that, you know, going back out of the list and back in to refresh it. But other than that little quirk, it just works brilliantly for them as well. And even then, I mean, like I said, for push, that's not bad. That is pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's really stable, and it, it. I'm a fan. So anyway, as far as shared, uh, like simple lists, like grocery lists, or we actually have another one we shared called crap to fix around the house, you yep. know, so whenever something comes up, hey, this faucet's not right, you know, you put it in there, and it's easier to see than to try to remember. But that said, I there's just not enough power and reminders to be usable for any kind of complex task management. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming across that. And but for for this kind of stuff, it's great. And and if you have iOS devices, it's a no brainer because I mean iCloud accounts are free at this point, so you might as well. Yeah, and uh, I back to OmniFocus now. OmniFocus is in fact it does not do push. It does sync across devices. Right. But OmniFocus does handle complex task management for real. It can do super complex repeating. It can it can hold tasks. It can lose them. It can recreate tasks only when you complete the previous one or just stack them up for you. It can do all kinds of crap. You can have uh, lists which uh, which can happen sequentially or they can happen para- in parallel. Like if you could do anything off the list when it's available or maybe it's a one, two, three, four thing where you have to do one before you can do two, it'll only show you the next available one if you set it that way, you know? Right. There, there are just 
there are it has a very robust system of of repeating and managing tasks and if you use it carefully and creatively you can pretty much create whatever the hell kind of task management system that you're using you can recreate it in a digital form i use it for class a lot what i tend to do is create a project for each of my classes and then dump the tasks in it in parallel so that i can see what's going on and I can filter by class to see what's up there. My favorite part uh, is on the iOS devices, both the iPhone now and the iPad, but especially on the iPad, uh, is its, it's a view that shows you what is due this week. Essentially, you get a little calendar uh, across the top that shows the upcoming week with numbers on them, uh, 1, 2, 3, 10, whatever, however many tasks are due that day. Mm-hmm. It uh, it shows current ones I mean, and past due ones in red and uh, and upcoming ones in the next 24 hours in yellow. When you tap on one of those days, you see the list of all those things and when they're due across the very bottom on that same view, you get a little ribbon view of your calendar, which essentially uh, for the day, which essentially shows like what you have scheduled during the day. So you can very quickly see, for example, hey, I have 10 items due, and I don't really have any time at all today. This is probably dumb. Uh, You can very quickly call up each of those and bounce them to other days. You can see while you're bouncing them to the other days, well, okay, so today's Wednesday, and I have 10 items due, so I'm going to bounce five of these to Thursday. Well, there are already 10 items due for Thursday. Maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> you know, Instead yeah. of just doing it and then realizing it on Thursday, you can actually see this near-future view, uh, and it's really, really powerful. You can create some repetitive tasks, like in classes. I generally create a, a repetitive task each week after, immediately after the last class of the week that is build the next week's you know, work, you know, review the next week's work and make sure it's all in the system. Uh, That's a task and it works remarkably well. If you forget it, it's, it hangs over you until you do it. So you know that you have to actually do that. I don't know. Great stuff. I I'm a big fan. It is not cheap. Uh, I'll just say that up front. I've said it before. (laughs) I will say it is cheaper than it was. I had, I I had not realized that it had had gone down. It's uh, for the desktop. Uh, it's what thirty nine ninety nine, and the the iPhone and iPad apps are separate, and they're twenty bucks a piece. But they do sync between all three, right? Yes, they do. And they, I think I've said this before, but they rewrote massively rewrote the iPhone app a little while back. It is now really cool. Okay, uh, it works very well. It has its own version of the of the upcoming view. Uh, which designed for kind of a mobile view designed right. for the smaller screen and it works it's really See, but that's cool. the best type of app that where they go okay what's the platform let's you know let's let's customize it for the specific platform yeah, i think it's realistic to say give me 20 more bucks because i designed a whole separate freaking app to make this same functionality work just as well on a totally different device yeah i i mean when it comes down to it it's 20 bucks for the amount of feature and, and usefulness that you get out of this, it's it's worth it. I mean, you've get, you've got to be serious about about organizing if you're even looking at this to begin with. So, and eighty bucks gets you the entire system, right? And then and then you're set. Yeah. I, now it, it syncs. 
via all sorts of means. Holy crap. Right. It'll sync via iCloud. It'll sync via his own server. It'll sync via your own uh, web dev setup. Yeah, it does a web dev thing. Yeah, that's... It'll it'll sync via damn near anything. <laughs> and what that means is that that, yeah, even, even if that service goes away, like if, if you don't want to use iCloud or their service, I mean, it's not that it's... Uh, for somebody so technically inclined, it's pretty trivial to run a web dev server, so you can you can be off the grid with this if you want it to be. But exactly, this is, this is really. I, I mean, I, I've been trying to get by without it, but I'm thinking next paycheck around, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pick this up and uh, and start getting organized because I just got too much stuff on the go at this point, and I just wanna I want to get it under no, control. What the hell's going on? Well, exactly. I, I want to know what's going on at this point. And I've been trying to get by with, with kind of just keeping lists and stuff everywhere. But at yeah. this point, I've got my work stuff. I've got two types of GWC stuff, both the technical side of stuff and production. Right. Uh, I, and I've also got the YouTube channel that I'm running, uh, K-M-E-H-T-H-A-S-L-P. Uh, and uh, so Good I'm stuff, getting to the by point the way. Where- Check that out. Yeah, LP. It's a Minecraft Let's Play. Um, we are totally gonna, we are totally gonna get that into the GWC family here. <laughs> it already is in the GWC family. We just are too dumb to have got it in the system yet. Yeah, so but go look at it. There's <laughs> enough stuff that just a calendar and a list and a task list is not enough for me anymore. Right. And it, this looks like the perfect candidate. So I'm a fan. It, I mean, the way I'm doing it right now is my detailed task management stuff is in OmniFocus. My right. little shared list stuff is in Reminders. My calendar is in uh, is in Calendar. Well, and that that sounds exactly like <laughs> what I'm what I'm trying to do here. And, I'm a fan. And I'm just missing the one piece. So that'll be a. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll next. Uh, it'll be a few weeks before I can have anything to say about it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot and uh, and see how it works. That is awesome, sir. Uh, another app that we definitely need to include in this is Evernote. Now, for those of mm-hmm. you who aren't familiar, Evernote. I think it's owned by Microsoft now, right? Is it? I, I thought it was, but anyway, uh, I, I could be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of not your normal. Um, I, I, the best way to describe it is it's really a clipping service. Uh, the idea with with Evernote is that you can grab things, be they text, be it text you type, or uh, a web page that you're looking at, or a document that somebody sent you, and you can forward it to uh, to Evernote, and it goes in this big pile that Evernote has. And you can then find it later via a number of different systems. Now, uh, I've seen a lot of people use Evernote for some pretty creative, you know, ways of keeping track of information for classes. Uh, One common one, of course, is to take notes in it where you can uh, you can just open a text document and take notes and 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 save it into it. It becomes a note. Notes are full text searchable. So you can choose your method of using their foldering system, which is actually more of a tag system, though they have a separate tag system as well. I'm probably confusing everybody. Uh, The the difference between like uh, foldering and tags, as far as I'm concerned, despite what anybody may call them is foldering. It can only go in one tags. You can have more than one tag. Uh, You can tag them and use that. You can use their, they call them notebooks. You can put them in as well, which is a foldering system. Uh, Though the foldering system is not quite entirely replicated across the mobile devices. So use with some caution. 
However, uh, full text search works great. It does index the crap out of everything that you send it. It even tries to index images and so on and, and OCR documents. If you send it an image document, it'll try to OCR it and hang on to it. So uh, it works pretty well. Uh, besides taking notes, and I should I should point out that one of the common uses for taking notes that I thought was really cool is that, like, for example, in a couple of my classes, they have these big bins full of, of MacBooks and the old MacBooks, you know, the white ones. Right. And right. they'll open it up at the beginning of class, and people can come get one and use it during the class. Now, the trick is, of course, they get wiped regularly, so you can't really keep anything on it. But they have a net connection, so people will use Evernote to take notes. <laughs> nice. And just use the web service, which is actually pretty Ajaxy and pretty cool. Um, I use it a lot for collecting stuff for class discussions. Like, you know, I'll be reading through the various blogs I read, and I'll see something, and I'll think, oh, hey, you know, that would be pretty cool for this class. I might want to bring that up. So I web clip it and drop it in, uh, in my notebook for that class. Then when I'm sitting in class, I'll open Evernote and go to that notebook. And uh, as the class discussion goes forward, I have access to all the crap that I thought might be useful for that class. Right. So Evernote, pretty cool. They have uh, free accounts. They also have paid accounts. The paid accounts are really, really cheap. So uh, it, it limits you based on, on the free versus the paid account based on how much you upload, not much how much you keep. So you can upload into it at whatever rate, a little or a lot, depending on if you pay or not. Uh, and it just builds forever, you know, pretty much until you have a big pile of garbage. And uh, I'm always a little concerned about backup and so on. But on the other hand, the way I use it is such that uh, if it were to go away, it really wouldn't hurt me, you know? <laughs> well, I think it, it, I mean, that's going to be the thing with any cloud services that use it, but don't Depend assume it, yeah. that they have it backed up because part of that terms of service that you hit accept and didn't read was, yeah, we don't care about your data. <laughs> yeah, just be aware. It could go away at any given time. So Yeah, legally, we don't care about your data. <laughs> so, hey, a couple of apps to try out for back to school, and hopefully they help you out. We did have, uh, since we are running a little bit uh, close on time here, we did have two things that we wanted to mention uh, that I think that are mountain lion related. If you're a new to mountain lion, you saw it and you're giving it a shot, assuming you have new, new enough hardware. Wah, wah. Um, <laughs> you, you might want to, uh, you might want to consider the first one is my favorite. And this is great because Juan ran into this about, I don't know, probably 35 seconds after he installed it and well, sent me the quick version. I thought it was a result of the fresh doing a fresh install, but apparently it's also for an upgrade. Uh, when you switch to Mountain Lion, uh, whether it's an upgrade or a new m machine, the default is to not uh, let you run all of the apps that you want to. Yeah. Uh, now this this is a change that we had discussed a while back. The there's three levels here. Um, uh, the first level would be you could lock everything down to only using apps from the Mac store. So like, um, yeah, so basically like an iPhone Yeah, that you can only use stuff that you installed and maintained through the app store. Obviously they're not going to set it to that because that would kick up a little too much stink. You know, like for example, Chrome is not in the app store. Yeah. Uh, Skype, which we're talking on right now is not in the app store. Right. Um, so what they do is they set the default to Mac App Store and identified developers, which means basically um, the App Store plus anybody that chossed us some money. Uh, um, yeah. And, and, and has basically a digitally signed license embedded into the application. Now, that, admittedly, that's incredibly cheap to get. It's a couple hundred bucks a year. It is. It's 
uh, the, the it's problem pretty is pretty much something that if you're developing for the Mac, you probably have one anyway, because it's you, you almost need to have access to all of the stuff they give you with that $200 a year or $150 a year or whatever developers kit. But that However, said, <laughs> some first, don't. <laughs> one of the first apps I went to install was iTerm, which is a t- superior terminal program to uh, the, the one that comes with OS ten. And it's something I use every day administering the um, administering the servers. And I went to install it and it says, sorry, this application is not allowed to run on your system. Right. Um, well, because it does, there's a third it... option to allow anything to run. Um, this, this, this software is not malicious. It is uh, fully open source. And in fact, GPL2 licensed uh, software. Um, which means that anybody can peer in the code and figure out if there's something bad. So, and it's been around for a number of years. It is a very old program and yet not an identified developer. So, sorry. Yeah. So anyway, you all you got to do is go into security and put it on the third setting, and you're good to go. Uh, yeah. It it you have to you know it takes two seconds. But it was funny. I got this uh, uh, iMessage like seconds after one completed his install. And it's like, yeah, go here, do this. I'm like, yeah, what do you know? And it's funny because I actually I actually did it before I even uh, uh, did the upgrade. So, I mean, right before I installed anything post-upgrade. So uh, I never really ran into it. But I forgot to do it on my laptop, so I actually saw, saw it happen once and went and did it myself. The, you uh, know, go ahead. I was just going to say is that in terms of what you want to set it to, I I I I'd almost feel bad saying this, but unless you run into that problem, it might be all right to just set it to to what its default is. Uh, anywhere is going to let you run anything. Um, and I was actually almost considering uh, going up to my parents' place and setting it to just Mac App Store only <laughs> to protect them. But I'm with I don't you. know. It's, it's uh, under pr- System Preferences, Security, and Privacy, and it's right there. Allow applications downloaded from. Well, and just know about it if you need it the other thing and i'm sorry to rush here this is what happens when uh, yep, no worries. we had like two hours scheduled for the previous one but then we had to cram it ass cram acid into a week later all good don't keep going um no i was gonna say the other thing that we wanted to mention real quick was obviously you get that really cool notification center i'm a fan it's it's sweet you click the little thing your screen slides over and you get this like ios style we were all concerned with oh my god they're going to try to make it into ios and it's going to be awful it's not it's actually really cool uh the notification center suite the problem is is that something's not really in the notification system garden yet so for example one real common one Growl. Growl right. is sort of like Notification Center before there was Notification Center, except that it doesn't really do a very good job of, of keeping them. Uh, in the last couple of iterations of Growl, they started doing a thing where if you weren't there when a Growl came up and it knew that, it would it would pop a little window and show you the ones you missed, which you can clear when you come back. That is really freaking annoying when Notification Center does exactly the same thing, but without the stupid screen popped up. So right. there's a, a there's a huge, a free utility out now called Hiss Growl Hiss get it ah uh, yeah exactly yeah. Um, anyway uh, it it literally takes Growl and plugs it into Notification Center now there's some disadvantages like for example it doesn't know what whereas Notification Center knows what app everything's coming from so if you get like a twitter uh somebody at replies you on twitter and then you get an email they'll both go into separate sections of the notification center 
Uh, it does not know where these come from because as far as it's concerned, they all come from Growl. Still, right. you get a section in your notifications that are called Growl where all your damn Growl stuff goes and you don't have the stupid thing on your screen anymore. It's just I one of it. those simple... Well, yeah, it's just one of those simple, elegant programs that is by design not long for this world no. because <laughs> no. once apps developers like Twitter and I mean there's even the ma- the native mail app is supported in uh, reminders now or not sorry uh, push notifications or whatever um, so one, once the apps update and take advantage of the native centers then it becomes less of an issue and eventually this program will go away but in the meantime it's kind of nice to be able to have that back that log of what has yeah. shown up in a centralized location, so that way you're not looking in two different places, two, uh, both of which are overlapping each other. Yeah, it's awesome. Somebody sat down and was like, well, screw that. I'll fix that. And they did. And it's free. So I'm going to uh, build my own bridge <laughs> with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Google Growl Hiss and you'll find it no problem. Go grab it and install it if you don't want the stupid window on your screen anymore and want it all to go in notification center. And yep. sadly, I'm going to have to end in a hurry here, but uh, anything you want to add? Uh, no, just thanks for everyone that's listened over the past year. Yes. Uh, we've got some interesting ideas for year two, season two, whatever. you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, just uh, keep sending in interesting topics. Uh, I've actually got a backlog for the next few episodes. So uh, That's awesome. Thanks well, for listening, and see you next week. Indeed. Thank you. I just want to say thank you, Juan. I've had a lot of fun doing this. I'm looking yes, forward thank to the you next as well, year, man. too. So. Uh, we'll see you were every- integral, as was I. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.